<laughs> we are rolling. Oh, we're rolling. <laughs> Welcome back to the Jungle Brothers podcast. Welcome, guys. Uh, part two of our uh, exploration into nutrition. Last week, which yeah. I was absent. Yeah, Polly wasn't here. Um, can we review what you guys went over for myself and the listeners? Yeah, sure. We, um, so it was Tiora and I. If any. And we kind of tried to, uh, we tried to, uh, I guess, go over the key kind of nutritional approaches that are pretty, pretty trendy right now, which is, we realised, a fucking quagmire of information. So we covered a few different ideas. And, and when I say it's not covering all of them, but we touched on the paleo approach, uh, the keto approach. Uh, what else did we cover? We covered intermittent fasting and a few different methods of that. Um, and that was kind of it. We out, so of, out of those three, what was the finding or what did, did you guys come to any conclusions or anything? Or how could you summarise paleo? Well... For those who are coming in, maybe they didn't listen to the first well, one. Oh, yeah. If, you, if you're coming in fresh, definitely go back and have a quick listen to that. But, but the paleo thing, we're just talking about the, the you know, the, the popular approach of trying to follow what, you know, people believe was a diet that the caveman used to eat, which is was essentially free of grains and it was high in animal proteins, reasonably high in fat and high in, in vegetables. Um, it kind of, in its, in its modern form, ends up being reasonably low in carbohydrate, not that that's necessarily a tenant of the, of the diet. Um, so that was the paleo thing. And then the keto thing was really more around eating a large, like the, the largest portion of your daily calories from fats. So it's a really diet high in fat and quite low in, very low in carbohydrate and moderate in protein. Um, mm-hmm. And then the intermittent fasting thing, which I think we, you know, that was really cool. I think that's kind of the biggest, one of the most important elements of, of a healthy diet is just having, including times where you're, where you're allowing your digestive system to rest. So you're not eating constantly all the time. Yeah. And out of those three, um, what was like, say the rating? Like, do we like, do we not like? They're all a bunch of fucking fads. Oh. <laughs> Tiara's back. Bro. Tell us more about that. Fads. <laughs> where do you, where? Eight 12-week challenges. It's all the same shit. So it was thumb downs. All later, like, thumb we'll down. get back on the carbs. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a point, eh? Everyone comes around eventually. Um, look, the takeaway was that there was no there was no takeaway you know it's like not one of them is better than the other they are all just an approach and an approach is an individual thing so what we we encouraged was that the big takeaway was people should start playing with this stuff for themselves Mm. educating themselves on it listen to this go read a book go listen to another podcast find out more about the different approaches and then start to fuck with it because you've got your whole life to research it on yourself right i do think that you know, there's a couple of big le- factors missing from both of those, which we'll go into a little bit more in this episode. Um, you know, I'm not really a fan of paleo or keto as, as such. Uh, I do like the idea of intermittent fasting. Um, it's not something I'm doing right now, but, but yeah, we can, uh, we can touch on it. And I think, I think fasting is an important factor for people to consider. Cool. And uh, where should we take this conversation today? Is there any more fads, big fads that you want to check off? No, I think uh, it would be good to talk about where we where we sit on food. Mm. Yeah. Not, not literally sit on it, but 
you know where 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 our where our ethos lies on 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 how and how that our our diets fit into our our training routines and where that sits in our vitality and in our health and all that kind of stuff. So I'll tell you where it sits for me. Uh, everything in the world exists in between meals. Like <laughs> everything's just who do you think eats time the most? He's, he's away the youngest out of us. <laughs> he's the youngest of eight. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely eat the most. Out of the three uh, do of I? Us. I think he I suffers think so. from the most amount of food scarcity complex. <laughs> <laughs> You think eat the most amount of shit. Paul's got a famous byline, which is, <laughs> I could eat. So you'll say to um, Paul, like, hey, po- man, I'm going to go get some breakfast. And he'll be like, oh, I've already had breakfast, but I could eat. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm trying to make the podcast uh, sign off line, which is, uh, let's get something to eat, or was it? Let's, let's get yeah, lunch. Yeah, let's get lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Joe made an amazing speech. Side note, um, at my wedding. As the best man, which mm. we should get the transcript for and put mm. it in the show notes. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> so, a story about my food scarcity complex that I have. It's not really there. I just enjoy it. Breaking <laughs> bread um, with friends and family. Well, there's, doesn't? A, there's a good starting point. Why don't, we, why don't we go talk a bit individually? You come from a family of eight, Fijian Tongan heritage. What you grew up eating and the way that you guys would do food was different to what my family would do. Mm. What's um, maybe, you know, how is that? How has that shaped how you how you manage food now? Before you know, what's your what's your overview? Mm. I had a lot of different influences on uh, on food, and look, yeah, I had island food growing up, but then also we had a lot of cheap food as well. You know, with a, a family of eight and not a great deal of money, it was Pizza Hut, all you can eat, specials with the Vienna ice cream or the strawberry. Cheesecake. We we're just talking about it on the weekend. Oh. Actually, I bought a I bought a, a cheesecake from Papa's for Mother's Day on the weekend, and I got I, I brought it to to the lunch that I brought dessert, and everyone looked saw the Papa's box and they thought it was the ricotta cheesecake that they're famous for. And they're like, oh oh, and they opened it and it was a strawberry cheesecake from Papa's, and they all went oh. And I was like, whoa, how far the Photophilly family have come. Yeah. Oh, like your kids and shit were disappointed. <laughs> no, like Eddie and Sarah and Betty, they were all like, I was like far out from Raywanga to, to, to Sydney. Now uh, they're like turning their nose up on strawberry cheesecake. But, um, uh, yeah, so we grew up eating um, like stews, curry, chop suey, fish, and the stews and the curries were all, all cheap meat, you know. Um, I guess I didn't think too much about it now uh, un- until like now uh, I look back and I, I realised like how good that food was, the home cooking that we, we used to get. And I look at a lot of the, the trends now with the, with the broths and the slow cooking meat um, and the just a very plain uh, meat dish with dark greens in it. And I, I look back and go, holy crap, that's just everything that I grew up eating at home, which is really cool. Um, I, I definitely have a taste for that, for that type of food. I love it. I love bones in everything. I had the influence of the, the film industry where, we, you know, we all worked in the film industry and, and famously crew gets catered for. So I did that for a decade and a half of eating catered food and it opened my mind up to a lot of Aussie food and all sorts of food. It was like I had no idea. It's pretty indulgent. It was eh? indulgent and I was like, you eat every single thing that's available. Um, but yeah, that was the first time I had curry that didn't have bones in it, and I had no idea what the, 
<laughs> they were like, uh, you know, we're having curry and, you know, they had papadums and stuff like that. And I got there and I was like, what is this? This is like stew or something. So it wasn't chili. There was no yellow curry powder because that's how I kind of grew up eating yellow curry powder. Curry. Um, but there was no bones. So I'm used to that taste. I'm used to ripping meat off every piece of bone there is and sucking it and sucking everything out of the shells. And, and I think that's done, served me well. Um, I can eat anything. I'm not irked by, like, you know, the smell of something really. You know, we go to Yamcha, we go to wherever it is. Any, when we've travelled, we eat anything and everything that's there. Like, it's interesting yeah, to us. Yeah, and I, and I, I feel, feel for those who can't enjoy that experience. Yeah, the, like the people who are conditioned to just eating muscle meat. Like, oh, if it's not chicken breast or thigh, yeah. it's disgusting. Or if it's not steak without yeah. fat, it's disgusting. But there's a lot of good stuff in that, like chomping down the cartilage, that, yeah. sucking out the marrow. Well, you said it, right? This is, the, this is the turnaround in recent years of like, oh, shit. You know, like in the West, we've, we've all started eating, you know, muscle meat only, low mm. fat, whatever. And now all the research is like we should go back to eating offal and other parts of the animal and, and joint and off the bone because that's where all the good shit is. Lamb's fry was a big one at my house. Ooh. It was meatballs, bacon whatever meat that was in this big stew and, and, and yes, lamb's liver. Was it lamb's liver? Liver, whatever Fry's brain, isn't it? No, I think it's liver. T-bone? Mum, mum will put it in like... Lamb's fry? In a flour and then shallow fry it and then put it in the big gooey stew. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm not sure. I didn't do fry. We got a lot of liver. What, mm. was, what was your background on food? And like then there was taro and, and all the beautiful ground mm. vegetables. Uh, I was pretty spoiled. Probably had about seven women in my family bring me up at one point or another. My mum's got a lot of sisters and I've got a sister of my own. And all of them are awesome cooks. They are. Um, and again, it's Polynesian culture. So we took a lot from the islands, but then they would fusion with Asian and, um, you know, stand like your, your traditional Australian cooking and that kind of stuff. But... Uh, yeah, I've been super spoiled. So, and it's always been fresh. It's always been um, seasonal. Uh, a lot of uh, leafy greens, uh, above ground vegetables, um, ground roots, and um, uh, meat. Lots of carb. Used to have lots of pastas when I was growing up. I think, uh, again, like Paul, if you. You reckon that's a secret to why you're fucking jacked? Fuck yeah, bro. <laughs> All about the cup. <laughs> Tiaro is the one that eats the least. It's true. Right, the most he eats the least. You never see him eat. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't do a lot of eating at work. I do do a lot. I do a lot of my eating in, at breakfast, and then I have a, a you know a reasonable sized dinner. But yeah, I kind of I kind of graze during the day. Um, but yeah, I've always been I've always been spoiled with with whole foods, and it's always been fresh. And my mum had a really big thing against packeted packeted foods of any kind. That's cool. Um, I mean, when I was growing up, I, I, didn't, I didn't understand it as much and I always felt a little bit envious of the kids that, that did get access to that kind of food and then now tiny, I tiny just Tiny teddies like, and all that kind of so shit. So stoked I didn't go there. Yeah, yeah. all that junk, you know. The pla plastic cheeses and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so I was... Uh, I was also well educated in in the food that that were good for me as well but i think 
the the carbohydrate thing when you're a growing growing boy, especially if you're if you if your family's on a budget, mum was on a budget, um, like those fillers could save you a lot of money. Having that pasta, having that potato, having that that uh, taro and and, um, and rice and all these Ooh. things that um, you can... I mean, I'd always bring home two or three of my mates and all of us would be training and we'd all be running around all day, swimming in the ocean or whatever it was and then we'd come back to mum's still growing and just feast and she would always have something there and I know that a lot of the bulk was always carved up because it was cheap and it filled us. Totally, so it worked, totally. You know? Yeah. And I don't feel like it had any adverse effects on my health. I guess we make a point about the carbs because, you know, you could say that carbs have been pretty uh, victimised, not victimised, um, they've been, what's the word I'm looking for? Do, do, do. Shut down. Yeah, they've been the bad guy in, in recent, you know, nutrition times. And, you know, and that's a, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a thing now. It's like there's still the people that are really anti-carb and then there's a bunch of people like, actually, you know what? If you're training and you, you you know and you need energy, these things can be really good for you. Um, so that's why we make it that point. People are afraid of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, Joe? Man, mine was pretty. Uh, mine was mine was pretty privileged as well. I'd say uh, had probably you know more of like a kind of I don't know. I wouldn't say like typical Australian, but I guess like kind of three square meals type of deal. Um, you know, we would have stews and things sometimes, curries and things sometimes, but there wasn't like one prevailing method. But there was a lot of pasta, there was a lot of rice. There was kind of like, uh, you know, you know, like, like every, every family, but mum had like those key dishes that she would make, um, you know, cannelloni or lasagna or whatever. Um, so I had a really good exposure to a bunch of different foods. Uh, my my brother started uh, the the saga. He became a vegetarian and then I think a vegan, and he followed that for a few years. And then my sister followed suit. So we just started eating predominantly vegetarian. Yeah, vegetarian. I wouldn't say full on vegan, but uh, at home for a couple of years. And I kind of didn't really sweat it at the time, but we ate a lot of pasta, a lot of rice, a lot of potato. Uh, a lot of lentils, things like that, and yeah, really good food too. Was that when he was a teenager? And yeah, you were, yeah, he yeah. was. Yeah, I was probably like I don't know, around ten years old, or, or maybe a bit older. But yeah, he was finishing school or something like that. And anyway, he he sort of set that trend, and we did it for a few years, and then um, I remember he went to a, and I'm not having a stab at vegans or vegetarians here, but he went to a Chinese. You can, you went, can. Yeah. All right, motherfuckers. So he went to a Chinese doctor and was basically describing his symptoms. And I think he was like, look, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I find it hard to focus. I don't have much energy, blah, blah. And the Chinese doctor said, ah, oh, tell me what you eat. And he said, oh, this is what I eat. And he said, yeah, 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 you need to eat meat. And that was the end of the consult. And then that <laughs> night, my brother came out of the consult. He's like, well, this is what he told me. So that night, we, I remember we went to a Chinese restaurant and it was like Abe's first time eating meat in years. Abe's my older brother. And uh, I remember he was like a fucking man possessed. We ordered duck, we ordered chicken, he ordered beef. Like he ordered all these different animals and we ate it all. And then he was like, I feel great again. 25 years later, he's still getting at it like a mad dog. Oh, like that first guy, day. Guy can eat and the guy can cook, you know. So yeah. 
So that was, you know, that was, I guess, yeah, my bro and my mum and, you know, and my sister as well, all really good at cooking and my brother pursued that path for a while professionally. So, so that passed on a lot to me, which was cool, gave me an interest. You're great with food as well. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Both of you guys are. Yeah, I think we've all got a bit of something going on there, more than the average dude. Um, But yeah, so, you know, so, you know, in short, I didn't have any particular beliefs around food, right, when I... When I came into my 20s, I just was eating food and making food. But I didn't, you know, I didn't have, it was probably only once I started to train and then I started, it was probably CrossFit, you know, where I doubled in that and then I got exposed to this paleo idea and I jumped on that bandwagon because I liked the story attached to it. I thought that the hunter-gatherer thing was cool and I got to eat a lot of meat. So that was fine. I've, I've been very meat-centric all of my life i still am very much not sure where that came from i i enjoy meat probably eat too much i've gone through phases where i try to you know back it off try and introduce fish into the diet oh look i'm father of two and and we're kind of busy at the moment i wouldn't say i'm i'm currently in an ideal nutritional kind of pattern with life just with resources and time the moment and kind of eat what I can and, and we do our best with Tash at uni to, to prepare food but you know it comes and goes in waves you know but the meat thing always eating a lot of meat I Tash was she vegetarian for some time um, when we were dating in our 20s I knew there was something about her <laughs> <laughs> Getting Tash love her but she broke after so many years of watching me eat bacon it was bacon that that Fuck, that's really common, isn't it? And and then she, yeah, then she just got at it from there. She was like, I feel like a steak. But she, yeah, she, I, I brought her back over to the meat side. She's never looked back. What's, um, yeah, what's the, what's your thoughts on, on eating animals? You know, like, what, what do you, do you, you say you eat a little bit too much, a little bit too meat centric. What do you, what, tell me more about that. I guess I feel like I'm, I, I always look at the plate and I notice whether it has meat on it or not. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if there's no meat on a dish, I, I see that. It's very noticeable for me. I'm like, where's, where's the meat type thing? Like it's, I, I downgrade it as a, as a meal. <laughs> like this is not really lunch because there's no meat on it. Yeah. That's what I mean. Um, I don't know what that is, but I, I, I having said that, I've had plenty of vegetarian um, Meals and I'm continuing to have more. Like I am surrounded by really great cooks, and um, yeah, Tash is a great cook, and she comes. Her parents are both chefs, um, and her mum, which we we all live together, she she makes a lot of vegetarian dishes because Tash was vegetarian in her teens, so they just always they didn't have much a great deal of meat in their house. So uh, I I love vegetarian dishes, but they I guess yeah they got to have a whole bunch of carbs to satisfy me. T-Bone, what's your thoughts on the meat thing? Um, oh, look, I eat it. It's, it's unsustainable for the planet and I think that's an issue. Um, I would love to be able to start... Well, I've thought about it for a long time now. I haven't done anything about it, but I'm, I would love to be able to take more of a backward step on, on meat in general. Mm. Um, it's a hard thing being a dad, uh, knowing that I was brought up on meat... And I feel like it played a role in making me strong. And 
to be able to step away from that concept and take a almost like a risk with my own kids and say, all right, well, meat's off the menu kind of thing. Um, I'm not sure if I would be courageous enough to take that step. I'd have to do a lot of research before I felt comfortable with it. Um, so in the meantime, I like to choose meat that's not uh, that's a, a, a you know a little bit more on the sustainable side and the cleaner side, um, and just eat a little less of it. Not be so dependent on 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 meat as uh, my only source of protein, and also the quantity in a in a in a meal doesn't have to make up the biggest ratio. Yeah, I'm not into mm-hmm. eating like a whole a whole fucking steak or a a big lump of lamb like I would prefer to have uh, have it in a, in a stir fry style where where I have a whole bunch of different greens mm. and then the meat's there just to complement it you know mm. that for mm. me is a good meal and and then the carbohydrates to be a good you know 40 percent kind of thing of that of that ratio yeah yeah I kind of share the same opinion I yeah I mean I I I do believe that we, we thrive on it and I believe that we evolved the way we have because we had access to it. So it's responsible for, for putting us here now, you know, as was hunting the animals and all those things. That's, you know, been such a part of our evolutionary past. Um, but there's now so many of us on the planet that it's, it is unsustainable. So that's a, it's a tough thing to reconcile. So I feel your plight there because you you recognize that what's good for the individual is not necessarily good for the collective. But, you know, you've only got your life, right? So where do you choose to go? So I kind of have that same thing in my mind where it's like, yeah, I, I want to do something about that, but I don't want to do it bad enough yet, you know? So where, where do, do we stand? Okay. So, yeah, look. It's, it's interesting because when you get, when you get people coming to, our gy- to the gym or coming to get coached by you, nutrition and diet invariably becomes a part of that process of getting fitter and stronger and, you know, building muscle, getting rid of fat, whatever. Um, and it's important because the environment we live in can trip you up at every turn and it's easy to make the wrong decisions and, and mistakes there. So we've had to try and... And you know, as you can tell, there's, we've got three different, back, three different upbringings, three different backgrounds, not hugely different in what we ate, but you know, variants. So we've tried to kind of summarize it in a way that we can pass on to people in a way that the, the Jungle Brothers feels about food and, and you know, its role in, uh, in our lives. So we came up with sort of four key points on, on truths when it comes to eating well, and we believe these are regardless of what your particular stance is ethically or environmentally. So if you're a vegan, if you're a keto individual, whatever you are, you can sort of, I'm sure you could agree with these. The first is eat real food. The second is be mindful of where that food comes from. The third is to avoid stuff that comes in packets. And the fourth is to be prepared. So what are we talking about when we say eat real food? I would uh, we're talking about whole foods yeah, stuff that, that you can recognise. And I, uh, I think an easy way to put it is just something that's not in a packet. Not processed. Yeah, I agree. Uh, mindful of where it comes from. Yeah, so... Uh, 
I think it's really important to understand the, the, even the process of whole foods. Like I, you pick up a, a piece of fruit from, from Woolies and you look at it and you go, okay, so maybe you're getting like a summer fruit in the middle of winter and you're like, all right, well, where is this, where has this come from? Is it sat on a boat for, for a month or something in a crate and then or freeze dried or whatever, whatever process they put it through to, to keep it from going off? Um, you know, is it, is it like growing in some really kind of um, artificial monocultural way with a bunch of pesticides and um, heavy um, fertilizers and that kind of stuff? Or is it something that's um, seasonal, that's been grown close to you, hasn't traveled a lot of distance and maybe it's got some kind of um, heritage, uh, oh, sorry, um, some kind of, um, it's a, uh, what's the word? I've got a mind blank. Genetic modification? No, like a, like a, a different, um, uh, a different uh, heirloom variety of, of fruit, or veg. Ah, yeah. So you're not looking at your standard kind of. Is it a hybrid or a? Yeah, yeah. Is, it, is, it some, is, it, is it something that, that um, yeah. that's not your standard run of the mill, mill um, fruit or veg? Is it something you've grown in your own backyard? You know, is it f uh, meat that has been um, living in a, in a pen and never seen the light of day? Or has it run around on a field and eaten grass? And, or has it been fed uh, soy and corn its whole life? Or, um, you know, the, these are the, the questions you've got to ask yourself. Has it lived in a cage its whole life? You know? And uh, a lot of people might question that and think, well, you know, cow's a cow, but at the end of the day, you are what you eat. And this applies to the animal as well. So if your animal has a, uh, I mean, like, think about the health of a human if it only ate one thing its whole life it would be in terrible health. And because of that, it would need lots of medication, um, lots of hormonal regulation. And- um, be knocking and, on death's door. Yeah, and that's pretty much what you're eating if you're, if you're taking on a, a sick or ill animal. And I mean, you see this stuff floating around the internet all the time. And some of the conditions of, of, of these animals, you just think mm. it's heinous. And you think, all right, well, if you were to walk into one of these places kill that animal and then cook it up, you'd probably vomit before you even got it to your mouth. But because we're so detached from that process, it's very easy to think, oh, okay, it's pig, pig's a pig. Yeah. But in reality, it's, it's not. So true. And yeah, I like to liken it to if you, if you had to eat a person, who would you eat? Yeah. Would you go and pick some <laughs> junky dude that's hanging around on the street that's, you know, obviously not in great health or are you going to try and pick someone that's lived a clean, happy life, moving plenty, getting lots of sun? Wow, that's a great way to think of it. Yeah, it's kind of gross, right? But it's like, fuck, if you had to, definitely going to take the healthy person. Mm. Uh, and it's I'd eat tea. Same shit with animals. We just find it harder to identify. Yeah, I'd probably eat tea. I'd eat his face. <laughs> 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 um, so the third is to avoid <coughs> stuff in packets. And that kind of ties into to the first point. But really, it's just like, if you go shopping and you see, you know, all the fun shits in packets, right? Biscuits and lollies and, you know, I don't know, whatever fucking people buy, Pop-Tarts and stuff. There's, you know, that's where all the, the modern manufactured stuff lives. And some of that is okay sometimes. It's, we, we don't want to deny this, the, the time that we're living in and, and what technology can bring to us. But really the, the bulk of what we're eating should be coming from 
uh, you know, animal proteins or it should be coming from the ground, fruit and vegetables, and those things don't really live in packets. And I would go as far to say that, you know, like when you get... Um, I'm sure when you guys go shopping and you buy vegetables, you stop when, like, say you're buying some zucchinis and they've got, like, loose zucchinis sitting there or mm. then they've got, like, four zucchinis wrapped up in a, in a polystyrene tray wrapped in plastic. And you're like, well, I'm not going to buy the fucking one wrapped in plastic just because I, it doesn't need to be. Even that, I find a lot of people don't think about that. They're like, oh, that's convenient. I'll grab the four, mm. you know? And it's like, why did you do that? Like, did you not think that the plastic is bad, the polystyrene is bad, and it's all just unnecessary? And they've probably put something in there that's on its way out anyway or not of good quality. So, so you, you can't, can't expect, you can't even in inspect the whole piece. That, that's piece what they're anyway. doing there, yeah? So you can't Shit. handle it? Yeah. Is that the idea? Of course it is. And to make it convenient for people to pick up four instead of I two? Think, yeah, I think they probably, there's probably a bit of a premium charge too because it's, yeah. like, it's a convenience option. Mm. And it appeals to our modern kind of, you know, fucked up way of looking at things. Um, but, but that, like from that simple question of, oh, is this real food? Where did it come from? If you ask yourself that, you make the decision not to buy that thing wrapped in plastic. But if you're oblivious to that, you buy the thing wrapped in plastic. It's, it's easy. You can put it in your fridge. You don't have to fucking worry about it, right? It'll probably stay fresh for another six weeks. And the third one, or the fourth one rather, is be prepared. Talk to me about that. That's Big, big. Biggest one. Biggest one ever. And that's just about being able to cook for yourself, prepare your own meals and um, be thinking ahead of time when you do it. Which is very complicated. It can be very complicated. Yeah, right? it's a discipline. That's right. It's a fucking discipline you and have people to design overlook it. that, mm. you know. Yeah, it's... Uh, you you want to go? Oh, no, I was just going to say, it's... I find it, yeah, if you, if you want to be able to see that point through, um, depending on your living situation, like it's different. You, you need to get all the people around you on board. Like if you're in a family, it's hard to, to do it alone. You need, a, you need to do it all together mm -hmm. as a family because the shopping needs to happen together. There's scheduling involved, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't have, I don't have kids, but, but with my partner, Nikki, it's the same deal. We, Not we, yet. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. Back off, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bite your face. But, um, but yeah, like, like you said, like it has to be like, oh, cool, what do you want to eat? Okay, who's going to make what? What are we eating tomorrow night? Like, or, you know, not lock it in, but have an idea, right? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I think um, I was thinking the other day about a cool business idea. And I'm, I know this kind of exists in some form out there. But it's like uh, if you look at, and I, I'm going to generalize and say, I don't know, let's say people. I was tending to think that it's mostly guys. But I think it happens to girls now as well. But you get these young people go up through their teenage years, get into their 20s. I mean, I noticed this with a bunch of my friends. But they start living by themselves and they got no fucking idea how to cook. they got no fucking idea how to shop. They don't really know anything about food and they definitely don't know how to prepare it. So they come up with a couple of basic meals mm. like, oh, mm. spaghetti bolognese or, you know, barbecued sausages or whatever it is. But that's what they stick to. And then it's like they hopefully meet a partner that, has, that knows something about food and then that partner can just be the, the person that cooks in that relationship. Um, usually for guys, it's, you know, they're hoping that their wife is going to fulfill that role. Um, but the, the problem is like in those formative kind of, well, the formative years have happened way before that, but in those years where you're out on your own doing it, you, that's where you're setting up like your, your lifetime approach to food and your relationship with it. So 
chances are if you don't know about it and you don't know how to do it, you're going to eat shit and you're going to be in bad health. And then you're going to pass that on and then you're going to have kids and then they're not going to be eating that great and it's just going to be this, you know, kind of self-fulfilling sort of thing. So I was like, fuck, what's the... It'd be interesting to see some kind of business besides a home delivery company that educates people on how to, how to prepare food. Where it's like you go there as a teenager and it's like, cool, you're in your last couple of years of school, we're going to teach you how to cook, we're going to give you a bit of education around food so that when you become a real adult, you're not going to be, you know, um, stuck out in the woods kind of thing. It should be <coughs> a government-funded scheme. And, the, I mean, they've been... They, they have... Um, I forgot so, what it's called it in social high school. Science, uh, home economics. Home, home economics. Is it home economics? Yeah. yeah. They teach you to make fucking pavlovas and shit. Though, yeah, right? that's it's, right. It's not, it's not a fucking nutrition. Yeah. That, yeah, that seemed to be like a leftover from the 50s when it was like, what should a housewife make? That's right. You know, like with her Tupperware and stuff. And it was the... I don't know yeah. if there was any guys in my year that did that subject. Tash did it. So that's, I remember. That's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, it didn't, yeah it didn't fit the bill. I mean, but that's, <clears> the, <throat> that's the idea, right, of, of that program, I guess. But yeah, totally. Should be part of our education system. Well, like, imagine like imagine the amount of like load that would take off our our healthcare. You know, I mean, we talk about this bill that just keeps going up. But if there's preventative steps put in place and happens in other in other countries, um, then this is the kind of stuff that starts to to pay off for the future generations. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. kids need to learn how to cook. I know my kids are three <clears> and five. And they're there at the stove. And it sounds like a dangerous place to be, but they know what hot is, they know what cold is, and they've learnt through experience. And um, I think when you do that, and this is a real, this is a Polynesian thing, uh, the best way to learn what, what, uh, what, uh, what hot is, is to let your kid touch a fire. Yeah. And that's just the way it is, you know? Um, and, it, and, it's a, and I think it's the safest way because they're going to do it anyway. They may as well do it in front of you, you know. Yeah, so yeah. if my kid looks at it like a hot cup of coffee, I don't pull their hand away and say hot. I say, yeah, it's hot, but touch it. <laughs> touch it, see what happens. <laughs> and they'll come in real cautious and then they'll touch it and they'll get burnt and they'll be oh, it's hot, daddy. It's like, well, I told you that, but now you know what, what hot the word means, hot what means. The, yeah. But, That's and I mean, this is the same with... Fuck, with you, you fell for my trick again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, with with food, you know, like try it, taste it. This is what the meat looks like before we cook it. This is um, here's the different options we have for vegetables. I have my own veggie my own veggie patch. So we go out. My daughter and my son will pollinate flowers. We we'll watch those flowers turn into vegetables. Pick those vegetables, cut them together, boil them together, eat them together, and they understand the process from start to finish. And this is so good. such a fucking life lesson for them, you know. Mm. And I know when I when I'm doing this, I'm I'm instilling that that respect for for whole foods, where it comes from, and the the uh, the the um the the excitement that you can get from from eating healthily, and uh, the creativity you can have from it, and uh, yeah, and then the healthy body that comes from it, you know, which is a finished product. Yeah, when I went to your place last, last weekend or the weekend before, your kids were dragging me around the garden showing me the different plants and, you know, oh, that's yeah. a strawberry and that's a pineapple and guess what that is? Which is pretty cool, right? They're really proud of that and, and yeah. interested in that. Knowledge. Yeah, yeah that, I mean, they even watch the bugs that are doing the pollinating if they're not doing it themselves and they, 
They know what, what the bees are doing. They know what everything in the garden, what purpose it serves. It's awesome. You know? So good, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think um, it's Im- they're, they're really important, important values that should really be taught on a, on, a, on, a, on a global scale, you know. Yeah, so switching gears a little bit, you know, we're talking about this, these kind of main sort of, I guess, guiding truths or tenets behind, you know, eating well. And they're, they're separate from particular food dogmas, you know, they're not part of any particular kind of diet. Um, but then, you know, in practicality, how do we see, how do we see something like veganism working out? You know, and, and taking, let's, let's look at it from the perspective of someone who comes into the gym, wants to get fit and strong, start training four times a week, lifting weights, you know, doing all that kind of thing, fight work. What's, what's your experience there? Well, we've got a couple in the gym and they're all fucking strong. Um, there's, there's, uh, there's always, the, I think the vegans cop the most amount of flack when it comes to like, special, like strength and, and power, power disciplines. Yeah. Generally, they, the, most you, people say, hey, if you don't eat meat, you're weak or you're constantly injured. Um, pretty sure I heard you say that. To them, yeah, I say to them, but I need to shit stir them. But I don't, I don't actually, I don't actually mean it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. I don't believe it because they prove me wrong, time and time again. Oh, that's good coaching. You know what I mean. So response, but these guys are fucking organised. I know a lot of other vegans that are not, and they just fucking eat sugar and shit out of packets, and it's like you got it all wrong. You know what I mean? Like if you're doing it. If you're doing it for humanity, mm. you're, you're supporting these big companies that are fucking churning out shitloads of pollution and fucking, you know, using petroleum-based products to fucking package all their goods and the rest of it. Uh, if you're doing it for your health, then you're doing yourself a disservice as well. So I, I do believe that if you do not have meat in your diet, you have to be even, even more organised with your food prep because... You can't really eat out either. Everywhere you go, <coughs> there's fucking meat and everything. Yeah. So well, yeah, it's you're gonna have a vegetarian pizza or a vegetarian pasta, right? Yeah. Like the options are generally pretty shit for those guys. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, these guys are doing it. You know, it's a good point. I think that yeah, I think the the big thing there is that if you choose to follow that style of eating, you have to do more work. That's yeah. basically what it is. You you have to be more prepared. You have to be more educated, because. I think most people would agree. Well, actually, no, not all. But, you know, it's, it's generally considered that meat is very nourishing. It carries a lot of what our body needs in it. So it's an easy food to be nourished from. If you choose to not eat it, then you have to work a little bit harder to find those same um, nutrients in other foods, right? And it generally doesn't come from just one thing. And more quantity of those foods as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Paulie, thoughts? You got any thoughts on... No, so you mean like they've got to eat more of a vegetable in order to get the same equivalent from a small piece of meat? Mm. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but it, it could, you know, more than like, like to say, and I'm going to fuck this up, but like you might eat a bunch of spinach and get a bunch of, I don't know, vitamin K, but you're still not going to get the iron necessarily that you would have got from the meat. So then you need to go and chase that from somewhere else. So you have to be smart enough to know what comes from what and what things, what variety of things you need to have to replace that one thing. Because yeah. the, the thing is with meat is that you're essentially eating an animal that's eaten like 
hundreds of kilograms of plants. So it's absorbed mm-hmm. such a huge yeah. amount of mineral yeah. from those and, and vitamins from those plants that you can then just shortcut it by eating the animal. Um, they also have the digestive system that allows them to process all those nutrients and humans <clears throat> don't necessarily have the same ability. They have an ability, but they're not... Um, I mean, they the cow has lot. fucking eight, eight stomachs yeah. or some shit. Three? Three stomachs? Something like that. So, yeah, they, they're like digest. They, then they pick up the grass, chew it again and swallow it and chew it again and swallow it. and <laughs> You know what I mean? Like a human can't do that. You can't, we can't eat grass, uh, you know? So what they process out of that grass we get instant access to by by eating them and this is this is what happened when when carnivores first arrived on the on the planet and it's part of evolution you know did you guys talk about sugar last we last didn't podcast? actually no we not not exclusively um you know what sugar is what is it energy sugar is that yeah but you know that what that where that energy comes from? Tell us. The sun. The sun. It's just solar. It's solar energy. Yeah. Okay. Stored in. Stored in, in can you explain that? Oh, I guess it's. Oh, I, I'm. I know it's something to do with photosynthesis. Like the plant has its leaves out and it absorbs energy from from the leaves and then um, then it start and then it stores that sugar in in the shape of its trunk. So trunk is hard and solid. It's very hard to get to it. Um, and then it'll distribute some of that sugar into a fruit uh, to attract an animal to take its seed and plant it somewhere else. And, uh, and that's pretty much it. But sugar is, is, the, uh, is, the, is um, solar energy stored, which is pretty amazing when you think cool. about it. And I mean, mm. that's fucking, that's beautiful stuff. Like to think that it has such a, like a, uh, a bad reputation, but there would be no life on the planet without it. No life at all. Yeah, it's true, right? Like that's, I mean, that's why we like it so much is because it, it is so good for us. We've just abused it. Yeah, and we just have it available to us now in such abundance. But you think about the natural environment, it, was, it would not be easy to come across a large quantity of sugar, right? Mm. You, you're basically not going to do it. You might find a fruit tree, but... Birds would have eaten the fruits before you got to it and the fruit wasn't that sweet back in the day anyway. Or maybe you raided a fucking bee's nest but you got stung by hundreds of bees in order to get the honey. Whereas now we don't have to do any of that and we can just have it, you know, in all of the packaged foods and drinks and whatnot. So, so it has become this demon, right? But I think that's taken us away from a little bit from the idea that, well, your cells actually run on it and it is the cleanest fuel source and the most efficient fuel source you can have. So then the question is, for our people, how do you work with it? What are we looking for there? I, I mentioned in the last episode the idea of the carbohydrate curve being that the more work you do in training or you know, just consider it as energy output, then the more carbohydrate you need. So the less work you do, the less carbohydrate you need. I believe that would also be affected by your body fat levels. So if you are carrying quite a bit of body fat, then you probably don't mm. want to be consuming huge amounts of carbohydrate or huge amounts of sugar. But if you're a lean individual, then you definitely need it, you know, because you don't have those reserve fuel sources to call upon in order to get yourself through, you know, the 90 minutes of training you do in a day or whatever it is. Thoughts? Yeah, no, I agree. I think 
any type of energy surplus anywhere becomes waste in a way and it's got to be dealt with somehow you know this is just like a universal rule so if your body has a surplus then because we're designed to to work in an environment that's that's that doesn't have a lot of access to high energy foods and it recognizes that it's okay i'm just gonna store this you know store it for a rainy day <clears throat> how do you take sugar you take you Fruit, chocolate and stuff fruit's good I, I I eat chocolate, but I don't eat it for energy. I eat it because I like it. So there's an addiction factor to it as well, you know. Do you justify it like with training days or something like that? Um, or you just get it when you can? No. Do you train? Not really. No. Doesn't eat, doesn't train. <laughs> <laughs> you should see me when I do though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I train. Um but no, I I I, uh, I like I like chocolate and I like ice cream and I know I like it a lot, so I, it's a reward food for me and I can uh, I'm aware that when I eat it I'm eating it because I'm eating it for for the joy of eating it and the emotional response that I get from it and by being aware of that uh, I can keep it in check, you know, but I definitely don't go to the ice cream bucket when I'm hungry this is a this is a this, that's a downhill spiral right there when yeah. I'm hungry physically hungry I go for for, for nutrient rich food always yeah that's a that's a good good takeaway there is to prioritize <laughs> eating what your body needs and then if you feel like you want to have some shit on top of that you can do it that's an interesting kind of observation I've had working with some individuals on their diet is that Mm. They, they don't eat what they need and oftentimes because they're, they're, you know, they have uh, instincts or, or you know, um, compulsions the same as we do, they still eat the shit. They mm. still eat ice cream or whatever. They're, still, they're calorie deficient as well. Yeah, know? that's the problem. So they're not, they're not getting nourishment and then they're having the shit on top of that. And then when you tell them, okay, check it out, I want you to eat all the good food, plenty of it, and then you can also have a little bit of shit on top of that. They are like, well, this seems like a lot of food and I'm going to get fat from this. But it actually doesn't necessarily work that way, right? If you are providing the body with what it needs, then that gives you a little bit of leeway to play around on top of that, I believe. You used to keep two blocks of chocolate in your top drawer all the time mm. for, for a long time. I haven't seen you do that. For At the office time. here? Yeah. Because yeah. you eat it all. Yeah, all you the time, guys. <laughs> no, cost no, me no. too much money. <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell you about that. Uh, What's going on there? Well, it started... I like chocolate and I started to get into eating dark chocolate. And so I would have supplies of like 90 or sometimes 100% dark chocolate. And it was my little thing during the day. But I've learned... If we were lucky enough, he'd, he'd offer us some. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. Got to keep <laughs> these guys on edge, you know. <laughs> but um, the... A couple of things on that. One, I noticed that I'm like, I'm just eating it because it's there. I don't really need to eat that much chocolate. But two, <clears throat> cacao kind of fucks me up a little bit. I do like it, but if I have very strong cacao, it gets me a little bit jittery and it makes me piss a lot. So I was like, I'm going to try not to eat this steady drip feed of cacao all day, every day. <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever found that, but for me, cacao is really, really potent. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a real stimulant, right? Um, yeah, so now I don't do it as much. But the interesting thing is too, when I was doing that, I wasn't eating anywhere near as much as I am now. And that's been a bit of a learning for me over the last sort of year is that 
I probably should have been eating more in terms of total calories per day than I have been for a long time. So by just eating more food, I've kind of taken away a lot of those cravings because my body's like, feels solid. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's been good. Fellas, look, I, I think uh, we should call it there, but uh, we could easily do like another couple of parts on this. So we, we'll, continue, we'll, we'll consider this one to be continued. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, look, just a little call out for our people. We do help our members here at the gym with, with nutrition stuff. So if any of our people want that or if anyone wants more information, just come at us. Uh, we leave all our address, you know, touch points and shit in the show notes. But um, yeah, I think the, the big takeaways are you, you need to become responsible for yourself in that realm. So get educated, learn about it and start to enjoy the process of it. And then also like learn how to cook and, and make that part of what you do with your family and become, you know, have a bit of a ceremony around that because it's a beautiful part of life. Um, the other takeaway is uh, for me that, that there is no one approach, right? There's many. So we can't, we can't get too dogmatic about this stuff. We have to have a bit of an ethos around it and then sort of experiment within what parameters we consider to be acceptable. Be mindful when you eat. Ask yourself why. You want to quickly plug the gym? Fuck yeah. Uh, you guys know we're at 15 Underwood Avenue, Botany, New South Wales. We're uh, you know, South Sydney. Um, yeah, we're doing a bunch of cool shit down here. We're working with all types of people. We're doing a lot of body weight, strength, flexibility work, weightlifting, grappling, tie boxing. So you know, we're, we're open to all. If you're interested, come at us, junglebrothers.com. Um, you can, you can like, uh, check in with us there and leave a phone number and stuff and we'll get in touch. Uh, and even if you're not near the gym, get in touch because we do do work with uh, some of our online people across the globe. Um, so if you're interested in that, just reach out. <clears throat> it's it's 4 p.m. in the afternoon. I know we had lunch just before we started this podcast, but you guys want to grab some lunch? <laughs> I could eat. <laughs> I could eat. I could eat. <laughs> All right. See ya. Thanks, boys. Bye.